Now I know you're wondering, why is he taking muscle relaxers? <laughs> is he kidding? No, he's not. Friday, we moved half of our worldly possessions to North Carolina. And we moved half of our worldly possessions to North Carolina because my oldest daughter was getting married yesterday. And just in case we needed it, we need to bring it with us. It became evident it wasn't all going to fit in a single vehicle or even a small truck. So anyway, we packed both cars and, and went and unloaded an enormous amount of stuff on Friday only to discover a large portion of which was really unnecessary. Not that anybody said that earlier. And then yesterday evening, relatively late, we loaded all of that same stuff back into vehicles again. And if you're parked by me, you'll notice there's just enough room for me to sit. And then there's like floral stuff everywhere. But it was a great day. I don't think that Pastor Steve realized what my weekend involved this week uh, on Wednesday morning when he said, hey, can you fill in for me on Sunday? And at first I thought, no, I'm a little occupied. I have lots of family in town. In fact, you may see some unfamiliar faces this morning that look slightly like mine. They're probably related to me. They may not admit it to you. But I, uh, I, I thought, okay, I, I can do this because it's the last sermon in the series that we've been in all fall. And Steve said, I already have notes. And I said, well, great, if you have notes, then that'll mean I can take your notes and sort of launch from there. And he gave them to me. Two words. <laughs> Two words worth of notes that he had worked on. <laughs> Blameless <laughs> and ashamed. And I thought, well, it might be a shame, but it's not going to be blameless. <laughs> he said, start with verse 80 and continue. And as I looked at the passage that we're in, you guys realize we're in a really long chapter. Verse 80 is 96 verses from the end. This is supposed to be the final sermon. I hope you brought a drink. We may be here a while. And then I started thinking about people like Spurgeon. Spurgeon would say, whatever subject I preach, I do not stop until I reach the Savior, the Lord Jesus. For in Him are all things. Which is a tremendous statement, except we're still in the Old Testament. It's going to take a really long time to get there. Anyway, I've enjoyed working through this. It's been a, a nice distraction for me in the midst of all the other things that have been going on. And, and Steve's already told you kind of how this chapter is set up and that it, it is structured alphabetically. Uh, it's, it's an extended poem in a sense. So it's eight stanzas that all begin with the same Hebrew letter, and then there's another eight stanzas that begin with the next letter in the Hebrew alphabet all the way through the 22 letters. Generally, this psalm magnifies the divine law. And the reason it magnifies the divine law, because if you think about when it was written, that was the only option. There wasn't a Jesus yet, right? And so the most magnificent thing that the author, probably David, but maybe not, knew was God's law, the rules that he had provided that helped us gain access and be closer to him, right? And so it magnifies those statutes. That's how it's set up. 
It, it has an aim to make living a life that, that follows those rules an honorable thing. But it was certainly written with a love for God and perhaps even a hint of the coming Savior. But, see, we don't see it that way. We, when we come to it, we look at it just because of how we're wired through the lens of the New Testament. You, you can't help but see it that way. And because we look at it through that lens, there are certain places in this chapter that we see differently than how those who were pre-New Testament saw it. And so this morning, I want to take a minute and, and look at the verse that Pastor Steve has given us to conclude with and look at it, first of all, more through how it would have been seen than how we necessarily view it. And then we'll have to shift gears and look at it through the New Testament lens that we bring to the table anyway. I've, I've written the verse out for you on a couple of different slides in several different versions. So it's 119, the psalm, and verse 80 is where we'll be for the most part this morning. Verse 80 in the New American Standard says this, May my heart be blameless in thy statutes, that I might not be ashamed. Now there's two words there that sort of jump out at you, right? The first one is blameless, and then the last one is ashamed. Those are the two key concepts, right? Blameless and ashamed. And so according to the notes that I got, that's what we needed to cover. <laughs> We're not going to get away with that, I'm sure. <laughs> So those are the ideas, and you have to kind of go in and camp out on those two phrases to figure out what's going on. I'm going to take the last one first, and I'll tell you why in a minute. The King James translates it a little bit differently. I love the picture that it paints. Let my heart be sound in thy statutes, that I be not ashamed. And so in the King James, that's how it's worded. And you'll see that up here momentarily. So in the King James, let my heart be sound in thy statutes, that I be not ashamed. And so the idea of ashamed is still there, but then it's adjusted the idea of blameless just a little bit. Those of you that have an NIV with you, that phrase is a little bit different still. In the NIV it says, May I wholeheartedly follow your decrees that I may not be put to shame. It captures a slightly different nuance, doesn't it? May I wholeheartedly follow your decrees, your laws, your statutes, that I may not be put to shame. It starts to get at the idea of shame in a little bit different way, and I, and I like the aspect it brings out. The contemporary English version, the CEV, is a little bit different still. It says this, Let me truly respect your laws so I won't be ashamed. Let me truly respect your laws so I won't be ashamed. Now, irregardless of your version, the concepts that you see there are those two, blameless and ashamed. All of these verses, they each capture a, a different aspect of what is written there in verse 80. But... As I went through and looked at how it is worded in the Hebrew, it, uh, it has a different light still. 
And just putting all of the definitions together, let me kind of phrase it for you, if you will. It starts with shame, is the first word, just because of the nature of how you read Hebrew. But it basically says this, May it come about that I have the resolution to follow or complete, i.e. be blameless, the statutes or ways, so that I will be without shame, without baggage. See, from a New Testament perspective, we see that phrase, ashamed, and what we go to is our our New Testament theology on that word. And so what what we automatically kind of go to is not to be ashamed of the gospel, not to be ashamed of the Lord Jesus. For us, not to be ashamed of some external thing, right? I mean, that's where we, that's where we go with this. And so, so we have this idea that we're not going to be ashamed of something. But that's not what it says. See, the idea here is not things that we're embarrassed of, like our dad at the father-daughter dance yesterday which has gotten quite a few hits on YouTube and a lot of disparaging comments about my rhythm. That's beside the point. See, that's an embarrassed of. Sometimes we're embarrassed of our friends. Sometimes we're embarrassed of our stuff. Oh, you showed up at the formal like that? But that's not, that's not the sense here. The sense here has to do with baggage. It's not the sense of our embarrassment, like I said, of an external thing. It is more about the sense of shame or baggage we carry ourselves. And folks, we are amazing baggage carriers, aren't we? It starts really early in our lives. In fact, from our childhood sometimes. Who do you love? Must be gay. I remember in middle school, her name was Nicole, and she was going around the room asking that question. Who do you love? As a young middle schooler, I didn't want to say anybody. And so I didn't say anything. Then I got handed a new title. Oh, you must be gay. And while it wasn't true, there was a shame associated with that. There was baggage that came with that. And so from early on, I had something to carry. And many of you had experiences like that as a child. Maybe it was a mistake that you made. Something you did that was wrong. And you've carried it with you. I remember at my grandmother's house learning how to use a BB gun. Goose will never be the same. My grandfather explained to me what I had done and how wrong it was. And I was ashamed that I hadn't followed the directions and the rules. That's where we pick up baggage, isn't it? So I, I carry that. Sometimes it's not in our childhood. Sometimes as we get older, it's, it's our friends that hurt us. No, you're not invited. This is only for the cool people. You know, at times in our lives, it's really important what other people think. 
And we learn as we get older that we're not as concerned about that, or at least we're just better at hiding it. But those are other kinds of things that we carry. Bags. Sometimes we put it on ourselves. Sometimes we look and we think, you know, I, I am not as good as them at whatever they're doing. And so I feel this sense of failure. And I let that sense of failure eat at me so I don't, I don't try. And when I don't try, it just snowballs into kind of a worse experience. And I feel more shame. So maybe I have that back. Or we have that thing that we do. And everybody else doesn't necessarily know about it, or maybe they do, but we can't stop doing it. And we've asked God to help us with it, but it still seems to come around. And for all of us, it's different. Maybe you've prayed about it, but, but you still seem to can't conquer whatever it is. And, and because of that, you feel the shame, the weight of it. Well, that's it. That's baggage. Sometimes our baggage comes from well-meaning places. Some, some people even mean it as, as motivation. Oh, George, block that guy! You let the whole team down. What are you, a sissy? We have adults in our world that try to help us out and motivate us to do things the right way. Maybe we had an off day. But either way, we, we leave that experience feeling like we could have done more, we could have done better, we could have, and the we could have stays with us. You've had experiences like that, right? That's, that's baggage. And so there again, there's another thing for us to, to keep with us, to tote around. We get older and we think we get rid of it. It's really still there. We're just better at carrying it and better able to hide it in front of other people. We have a family. And I have to tell you, with kids, they're wonderful. But at some point, God's going to use them to knock the edges off in your world. You know what I mean? They're like little gifts of sandpaper. So sometimes, as parents, we pick up baggage. I hate you, you're horrible dad. Everyone else does. Even when we stood on the right thing, when we told them, no, there are no other six-year-olds that have chainsaws. You can't have that. But but they still feel like we've shorted them somehow. It's not unusual for me to get parents who have their first child and they've had that moment when 
little miss or young mister has uttered those phrases. I hate you. And it's not the phrase that they're carrying around. It's the thoughts that come with it. I am a bad parent. I think I'm right in this one, but, but they're right. They see through me. They understand that I, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not sure how to get through this. I don't know that I can navigate it. I'm a failure. And we carry that with us. Sometimes the sources of our greatest help in a moment of weakness will point out things to us. Sometimes our spouse in a moment of frustration. Come on, the clothes basket is right there. I live with a slob. And the clothes basket is right there. And I could have put the right things in the right place. Just didn't want to. And my loving wife, who would never intentionally try to hurt me, was really just pointing out the fact that with a little more effort, I probably could have done a better job. And the more I think about it, the more she's right. I could have done a better job. And that can become baggage. And then there's the secret sin that we all have. Nobody else really knows about it. And we look around and everybody else looks like they have their act together. But I tell you this morning, I've had conversations with at least two different people who are struggling. But, but that secret stuff, we have to... Okay, this is just not going to work. We, we get to keep it too. And then... We try to navigate life with all of our baggage. And those of you that have navigated, for whatever reason, into the church, you stumble on a verse like this. May my heart be blameless in thy statutes, that I might not be ashamed or have to carry all of this baggage and we try you know we try to follow the rules the law and that's what it's there for right we follow the law and it, it helps we see where jesus asks us to maybe do certain things if you love me follow my commandments and so we follow some of them And it helps. And we, we work our way through some other ones. And it helps. But it's the law. And the law was written before the New Testament. Before Jesus arrived. 
And the law's purpose was to show us that we fall short. And so while it helps, it also has the potential to create in us yet another reason why we fail. Because you look at all of the laws and we don't keep them all. We make an effort. We try. We do well in some seasons and not as well in others. But because of that, all we essentially did was trade bags, you know? And then, as Spurgeon said, preach until you reach Jesus. If you look in 1 Corinthians, in the very first chapter, there's a pair of verses there that says this, as Paul writes about that church. Waiting eagerly the revelation of our Lord Jesus, who will also confirm you to the end, blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, God looked on our condition, and even in the law, we were carrying a lot of stuff. And so he sent his son. His son, who will also confirm you to the end, blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus. See, then Jesus, in John chapter 10, verse 10, he says, I have come... That you may have life. And not just life, but life abundantly. Abundantly. And in this condition, you sort of lead you to ask yourself, how am I supposed to have abundant life? I can't get through the door at my house with all this stuff. How am I to live a normal life with all this baggage? How am I supposed to be like a lamb skipping from the stall in the spring when I'm having a hard enough time just keeping my balance staying stationary? But then Jesus, in Matthew 11, verse 28, speaks to us who are carrying our baggage. And he says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. That passage continues. It says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your soul. Rest for What's my hope? My hope is to come to a Savior like that. Not relying on my efforts, because my efforts produce extra baggage. Not waiting on a government or an organization to fix it, because they're led by people like me who have as much stuff as I do. My hope is found 
in the Savior. And when I come to him, he confirms me to the end blameless because of what he has done. And he says, yes, I forgave that. Yes, I have dealt with that. Yes, I will carry that. Yes, I paid for that. Yes, I have covered that. And yes, I have covered that all. And we get up from our encounter with him, minus all the baggage. And so while God's people rejoiced in this verse, may my heart be blameless in thy statutes, that I may not be ashamed. How much more meaningful is it for us to look at it with New Testament eyes and know that it is possible? And it is possible because of a Savior who has handled all of our junk. church this morning I want to take time and pray with you and I'm going to pray with you that today everybody in here more than likely we, we brought our stuff we, we came in with our baggage many of you over the years have let Christ have it and he's dealt with it and it's done and you can tell them because you can see them when they walk in. They have a lighter step than the rest of us. But a lot of us still carry stuff. So I want to pray with you that today, if you brought your stuff, that in a few minutes when we sing, you would find a spot up here to leave your bag by these that you can see so that there are Lots that maybe can't be seen. And hand it to a Savior whose yoke is light. Who is begging you to come, those who are weary, to give rest to your soul. Let's pray together. Father, I have to admit that there are things in history that I have given to you that I have a tendency to pick back up from time to time. And so this morning, God, as much for everyone else who is here as it is for myself, I ask you to remind us of how much you love us, of what kind of hope there is in you and the things that we needn't carry because you have covered them all. Father, I pray for the believer that's seated here. 
that's picked up their stuff. And I thank you for the passion of this author in Psalms who knows that your way is the right way. But I thank you for the lens of the New Testament that proves it. Help us to lay down whatever we've retrieved. Father, this morning I pray for those who are seated here that are still carrying all of their stuff. Maybe they didn't realize how freeing a relationship with you is. Maybe they didn't realize how easy it is. But Father, this morning, for those that are tired, for those that are weak, for those that are burdened, I thank you for the rest that you provide, the forgiveness you offer freely, and for the hope that is beyond all hope. And God, I pray for strength to respond, to bring baggage to the front, and leave it here for you. And I pray in the name of the great baggage handler, the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you stand and respond according to however God leads you?